So I'm going to talk with you today about the, call it the birth of the Messiah, the birth of Messiah, but what we're going to talk about is the birth date of Messiah. And um, I've got some interesting stuff. So what you need to do is just put your hand on your head like this. Now, screw on your thinking caps, because I'm going to make you think tonight. <laughs> You're visiting us tonight. That is not, what's your name? How do you say it? Holy. So, just, we don't do this. This isn't a ritual that we do here every week. <laughs> He's going to go, he go home and tell his family. I was in a church where they do this. and So, we're going to talk about the birth of Messiah, and I want you just to, you know, you're going to have to think a little bit as we go through this. So the word, the word of the Lord, okay, you, you have multiple prophecies about Jesus' birth, okay? We have over 365, okay? In fact, it's available to you. Uh, we've made it available to you, the 365 Old Testament prophecies. There's probably more. But these were 365 that a pastor put together. Faith, you went through it. You know, I've gone through it. And, um, and then you have, again, the typologies. But these are prophecies that were made 2,000 years to, I think, 400 years before Jesus came to earth. So you stop and, you stop and think about that for a second. If I was to say to you that there would be a, a man, okay, who would be born in Dumont, New Jersey, and it was predicted 500 years ago that this man would be born in, New, in Dumont, New Jersey, and he would also be a descendant of Abraham Lincoln, Thomas Jefferson, and George Washington, and that he would be born, okay, at a certain time, and that this man, there were all these predictions made 400 years ago about his life, his um, teachings, his words, even describing in detail how he would die and that he would be raised from the dead. And somebody came along and they fulfilled all of those prophecies. You would have to stop and say there's something very supernatural about that. Well, Jesus fulfilled, again, 365 of them. Some of the prophecies concerning his birth, let me share with you. Isaiah 9, 6 went through it literally word by word, last year. But for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So it's just simply that, again, the Messiah, gives some important revelation there, the Messiah would be born. Okay, he just wouldn't suddenly appear. In the Old Testament, you have what we call, we would call them Christopomorphisms, or they were called a, a theospomorphism, a, an appearance of God. So, you know, Jesus appears in the Old Testament as the angel of the Lord, but he hasn't been born. He hasn't been incarnate. And this passage here is that, is that Messiah, the Savior, would be born. He would be a son. He would be a male child, and then he would be God. This is God again incarnate. In Micah chapter 5, 2, but you Bethlehem Ephrathah, by the way, Bethlehem being the town, a little town of Bethlehem, and Ephrathah being, it would be the equivalent of saying Dumont and Bergen County. Brought, uh, though you are little among thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel. By the way, you're taking notes in your scripture. 
ruler that is Meshach, Messiah. <laughs> I don't know why they don't translate it Messiah, but uh, one who shall be the Messiah in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. That's important, right? He will be everlasting. He's talking about again, Messiah will be God. He will be born in Bethlehem in the uh, area of, of Ephrathah. Isaiah 7.14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Again, talking about the virgin birth. That the birth of Messiah would be supernatural and um, there wouldn't be right a father involved uh, in this birth other than the heavenly father. So, again, these are some prophecies that talk about Jesus' birth. Now, the question was Jesus born on December 25th? And that's what I want to explore with you today. So in Luke chapter, uh, if you go to Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it tells us, um, oh, you know what? This is actually Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. I had a little problem. Luke chapter 2, 1 through 3 and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone uh, to his own city. Now, I'm going to propose a couple of things to you here. That there's some very simple evidence that Jesus was not born in December. Okay. I'll start, off, I'll start off with that. This is one of them. So this is Caesar Augustus, the emperor, okay, the Roman emperor. He basically makes this decree that there needs to be a census taken, okay, throughout the entire Roman Empire, which in literally encircled uh, the entire Mediterranean basin. So a magistrate, okay, a political leader underneath him would then have gone out and basically, you know, carried out this degree, uh, decree with all the different, you know, leaders of the different provinces of Rome. I want you to think of this. Caesar Augustus says there needs to be a census taken. The Romans would do this every so many years. So the magistrate says, you know what, let's do it in December. In the Mediterranean basin in December, okay, it's cold. They have winter. Okay, you, could, you know, you, you get into areas of, you know, the, the northern parts of, of Spain, the northern parts of Italy, the northern parts of Greece. Israel is cold. There's snow. The ground is, is hard. There's, there's ice. It's very difficult for people to travel, okay? They didn't have, uh, you know, they didn't have modern-day cars with uh, snow tires, and they weren't plowing the roads like they do today. And you had to go to your hometown, just like Mary and Joseph, right? They had to go back to Bethlehem from Nazareth. It's a long journey. So here's this magistrate who takes this order from Caesar Augustus and says, you know what? Hey, we're going to do it in December. The census would not have been very accurate, nor would it have been very good. And I think Caesar Augustus probably would have had this magistrate's head on a platter, right? For... for picking December. It had to have been in a warmer climate. And, and the best is it, it wouldn't have been good in the summer because it's so hot and it wouldn't have been good in the winter because it's so cold. So it would have had to have been a good time 
early fall, early spring. So that's, that's one argument, okay, about, again, Jesus could not have been born in the winter in December. Here's another one. In Luke chapter 1, verse 8, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. If it was December, the shepherds would not have had their sheep out in the fields. It's too cold. The sheep are going are, are gonna to die. The shepherds had their sheep out in the field, okay, in the warmer weather, okay, in the fall and in the spring. You go to Israel, and I've been in Israel once in December. I've been to Israel seven times, but my trip to Israel in December, I shared this on Sunday. Let me tell you, it was freezing. It was cold. It was rainy. There was ice storms. There were snowstorms. We're in Jerusalem, and there's snow. Actually, incredibly beautiful with, uh, with the snowfall. But the ground is hard, right? They can't be eating the grass. So basically, there's no way the shepherds would have been in the field in December. They kept the sheep in caves. And again, Bethlehem, there are caves everywhere where they would keep the sheep and they would keep them safe. They would be let them out a little bit during the day if it was warmer, but they would be kept in in the caves and they would be sheltered. So that's another key argument. Now, I'm going to give you... Three quick facts here, okay, and I, I printed them out for you. Fact number one, the early church did not celebrate Christ's birth. For the first 300 years, they didn't celebrate Christ's birth. The Jewish tradition was to celebrate the death of a person, not the birth. So the first recorded mention of December 25th is in the calendar of Philocallus, which is 154 AD, which assumed Jesus' birth to be uh, a Friday, December 25th, 1 AD. The problem was December 25th, 1 AD was not a Friday. <laughs> okay, another quick fact. With the Edict of Toleration, okay, that was 312 AD, the Emperor Constantine legalized Christianity. Christians were persecuted for the first 300 years. Go to Rome. You go into the catacombs. The Christians were hiding there. They, they murdered Literally thousands and thousands of Christians the first 300 years. You know the stories. They were fed to the lions. They were crucified. They were beheaded. They were sewn in skins and thrown into the uh, rivers. They were set on fire. Nero set Christians on fire to light up the entire city. So Christians were persecuted for the first 300 years. And then Constantine legalized Christianity. One of the main reasons that he legalized Christianity, some people said he had a vision I, I really doubt that. Half of the slaves in the Roman Empire, and there were millions of them, were Christians. It became an incredible political move, okay, to basically free all the slaves, okay, and then you have all these Christians, or, or all these Christians now, okay, and who would be very um, in favorable to Constantine staying in office. And uh, that was, I think, his political reason for him doing that. So the Christians exchanged the rags of hiding in caves for the skills of the court. Christianity became official in 312 AD. When Christianity became official, it was absorbed into the pagan religions of the time. And Christianity adopted a lot of the pagan religions. So what you have, and you see this, you begin to have the worship of people instead of the worship of God. So you have the, the worship of saints. You have all of these different traditions that, were, you know, that worked uh, their way into the church. And uh, actually the celebration um, 
of Esther. We call it Easter, right? It's Resurrection Day. It's not Easter. Easter was a pagan holiday. Easter was the, the, the worship. It was an Egyptian god named Istar that they were worshiping. They worshiped the egg, the egg of fertility. Think about this. All of our, all of our little pagan rituals that we, you know, that we carry out on, uh, on Easter. Also, they, they made Halloween a holiday. So they call it All, all Saints Day. Okay, but that, again, it, it was a pagan, a pagan holiday. Purgatory, limbo, holy water, right? All these, all these different, they, they infiltrated the church. And I'll show you in a second, with that, and this is quick fact number three, the date of December 25th was officially proclaimed by the church in 440 AD. This date was actually a vestige of the Roman holiday of Saturnalia. You know what today is? Saturnalia. It's it's the the solstice. Yeah, it's from where the days right get basically darker and darker until December twenty first. You know what happened on December twenty first? Light came into the world. You know who was born on December twenty first? <laughs> Me. Today's my birthday. By the way, am I, I am no way, you're going kidding, right? You walk out of here and think I'm some type of lunatic cult leader. <laughs> when I was born, my mother is Italian, and, you know, you're not supposed to eat anything, right, the hours before you give birth. So I'll tell you really how I came into the world, not that it was suddenly a bright shining light that came into the world, but my mother ate pasta fazool. That's pasta and beans. And this story was told to me my whole life. That the doctor basically told my mother, right, you shouldn't have eaten pasta fazool because you know what was happening when I was being born. So instead of me coming forth into the world with light, I came forth into the world with farts, okay? So... Don't tell people that. <laughs> it's a humble life. It's a, it's a humble life. So um, here again, Saturnalia observed near the winter solstice, shortest day of the longest night of the year, which itself is among the many pagan traditions, is inherited from the early Babylonian priesthood. The sun god was thought to have died on the winter of, of solstice. So... Those are, are really, those are the historical reasons why we celebrate Christmas on December 25th. Okay, again, established by the church in 440 A.D. So I want to I bring you, now we'll go to back to, we're going to go to Luke chapter, uh, chapter 1. I want to read to you, let me read to you the, the uh, announcement by Gabriel to Mary. So it says, now in the sixth month, Right, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. Now the sixth month, what does that mean, the sixth month? What is that talking about? No, you know what, that, that's what you would think, right? The Hebrew, you would think the sixth month of the Hebrew calendar. I just, it, it, the, the answer is very is very simple because if you go to the 25 verses before verse 26 of chapter 1, it's talking about on the sixth month, 
someone else got pregnant and she was in her sixth month. Who is it? Elizabeth. Yeah, now the sixth month, and by the way, it makes that clear, the sixth month of Elizabeth's, okay, uh, pregnancy. Uh, so it goes on, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you, blessed are you amongst women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will beget and uh, will be uh, called, I'm sorry, he will be great. And he will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. Now, I just want you to stop here and do a little math. If this announcement is being made to Mary, I would, I would say at this, at this period she became pregnant. Okay? Was it exactly when Gabriel was talking to her? It was some point where she became pregnant at this point. And again, supernatural, right? Supernatural conception that, that happened here. So it's the sixth month of Elizabeth. John the Baptist then would be born three months later. How many months later would Jesus be born from this point? Nine months, right? 280 days, okay, if it's, you know, if it's, uh, you know, the, the natural uh, gestation. But um, so if if... John is born three months later. How many months later after John was born would Jesus be born? Six. Good, right? It's, just keep that in mind, okay? So next verse is verse 34 through 38. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month, right? For her who was called barren, for with God nothing is impossible. And Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Because I believe this is when, again, it, 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 you know, it happened, and the angel departed from her. So, again, Elizabeth is six months pregnant, okay, and Jesus now is conceived at this point, okay? Mary then, when John the Baptist was born, would be how many months pregnant? Three. <laughs> really, as he said, you've got to think. You know, what, you know when you're, you were a kid and you took those tests? And I was never good at this. Just when, like, like, there's so many days here, and then you, you know, there, what happens if there's so many, and, and I'd, be, I'd be like, so just, if you're one of those people like me, you have to kind of think through it. Essentially, Jesus was born, right, six months after John's birth, okay? We can, we can pretty much solidly establish that. Now, it is commonly presumed that Jesus was born in 4 B.C., and if you were, you know, talking, I think, to most scholars past, they would say, oh, yeah, Jesus was born in 4 B.C. But this date is primarily from erroneous conclusions made by Josephus, Josephus Flavius. I have his works upstairs in my office. He recorded an eclipse that was assumed to be on March 13th, 4 B.C., just before Herod died. Very, very poor, okay, calculation for Jesus being born in 4 B.C. Tertullian, he was a Christian scholar, uh, born about 160 A.D., 
stated that Augustus, and I'm, I'm going to try to cut through this as much as I can, began to rule 41 years before the birth of Jesus and died 15 years after the event on August 19th, 14 AD. Since Augustus began his reign in the autumn of 43 BC, this also appears to substantiate the birth date of 2 BC for Christ. Tertullian also notes that Jesus was born 28 years after the death of Cleopatra, 30 BC, really good historian, which is uh, also consistent with 2 BC. 2 BC, I believe, is the year Jesus was born. And evangelical Bible-believing scholars, we, we pretty much we pretty much stick uh, stick with that. There's also another. I'm not going to read this entire quote to you, but Asubius is considered the the father of church history. The first 300 years, he also concluded that Jesus was born in 2 BC. Okay, so again, some 4 BC, some 2 BC, but that's really all we have is just 2 BC, the year, and in, in our calendar, 365 days. And in the Hebrew calendar, 360 days. But let's call John the Baptist to the rescue. Now you really got to put on your thinking caps. Okay. So in Luke chapter 1, verse 5 and verse 8, it tells us about Zacharias, who was the father of John the Baptist. And there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And so it was, in verse 8, that while he was serving as priest before God, in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. What is the division of Abijah? Does anyone know? So, one thing that I want you to notice before I tell you what the division of Abijah is, the order of division, if you look at the, the last verse there, and go to actually verse 9, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. What was he then doing in the temple of the Lord? Where was he? Where was the place where you burned incense? Holy place. Right? You have the outer court, you have the holy place, you have the holy of holies. High priest goes into the holy of holies only once a year. Holy place, the priests were ministering all the time. Table of showbread, altar of incense, candelabra. Zacharias was basically ministering before the altar of incense, burning incense. Again, the, the, the prayers going up, right, to the Lord. That's what he was doing. That's when Gabriel came to him and said to him, listen, Zacharias, your wife Elizabeth is going to get pregnant. And what happened? He didn't believe. So what did Gabriel do? He said, you're going to talk for a while. I'm going to, I'm going to shut, shut your mouth. I believe it is really at, at the conclusion of his ministry, okay, this course, and I'm going to explain that to you in a second, that um, Elizabeth conceived. So, Luke chapter 1, 22 through 24, when he came out, he could not speak to them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. And so it was as soon as the days of his service were completed, again, the days of his service, that he departed to his own house. Now, after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, okay, and it goes on saying. So he served, okay, this one-week course, 
if you go to the Old Testament, okay, you'll, you'll understand this. And if you, you look here, this is First Chronicles chapter 24, 7 through 19. There were so many priests in David's day that they all couldn't minister at the same time. There, there were thousands of them. You, you, couldn't, you couldn't have a thousand of them in the holy place, right? I mean, they, they would have been, there would have been no room for anybody. You have the, again, the candelabra, the altar of incense, table of showbread. So what David did was he broke them up into 24 courses. And each course would serve one week. And that is what they began doing in the time of David. And that basically went on in the time of Zacharias, the time of Jesus, until the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. So if you look here, Abijah, what course is Abijah? Right, according to the passage. Right, it's the eighth, it's the eighth course. Okay, you get a little diagram here. Again, there, there is Abijah right there. Division eight. Again, 24 divisions. So this, is, this was the time for Zacharias, okay, who is of the course of Abijah, it's his chance to minister. Only ministering one week out of 24, a couple times a year. They would get in there and minister. Okay, now here's where it gets, it gets kind of interesting. The Talmud, okay, the oral traditions were written into books. I used to have them up in my office and I gave them away. The Talmud and Josephus, okay, Josephus is considered the, the great scholar, okay, of, um, of the period of Jesus. Actually, in his, in his writings, he talks about Jesus in a very short paragraph. Some debate whether some scribe stuck that in there. There's a debate about that. But the Talmud and, Jose, uh, and Josephus both recorded that the temple was destroyed by Titus on August 5th, 70 AD. And the first course of priests had just taken office, okay? So tracking backwards, you know, the, you know how the Jewish people are very meticulous? We see this. Extremely meticulous, right? Each course, seven days, right? From Sabbath to Sabbath. You can go through that through the years. Zacharias would have ended his duties on July 13, 3 BC. And if the birth of John the Baptist took place 200 days later, normal gestation, time for a child, he would have been born on April 19th or 20th, 2 BC, which is the Passover of that year. You see that? Now, again, let's go back, and we were talking about Luke chapter 1, 36 through 37. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, uh, has also conceived a son in her old age and is now in her sixth month. Okay? So if John was born, okay, essentially three months later, that would have been April 19th, okay, or 20th, 2 BC. This meeting between Mary and Elizabeth would have happened on December 19th, okay, or 20th in 2 BC. Jesus would have been born nine months later. If Jesus, the gestation was 280 days later, it would place the date of Jesus' birth, September 29th, 2 BC. Isn't that interesting? So, what I'm going to propose tonight is that you cancel Christmas and wait until September. You couldn't even take me serious. 
That's not what I'm going to do. But I just want to, I want to qualify this with something here. So we realize all these things are speculative, okay? This isn't, this isn't me reading, right? Thus saith the Lord. And I'll, I'll tell you why. We realize that all these things are speculative, but they are intended to stretch the imagination away from the traditions, December 25th. Uh, what the correct date, no one knows for sure. And I'll tell you why, where it gets speculative, because if the Talmud was wrong on the date that the temple was destroyed, that throws off this entire calculation. If Josephus was wrong about the date that the temple was destroyed, that throws off this entire calculation. By, by how many days? Whatever, whatever they're off on. Another thing is, as meticulous as the Jews are and were, Okay, with their calendar. And they, let me tell you, they were precise. You really, you know, get into this. With the 12 courses of the priests, if something interrupted one of those courses, right, between 70 AD and when John the Baptist, okay, was, you know, essentially conceived, that would have thrown off the date. So um, I, want to, I want to make that, you know, clear to you. But I don't think there's any question... Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. And I believe Jesus, again, he was born in the early fall, which again would, would place it sometime around late September or October. So I think that is, you know, that is a, a key point that you know, we come to understand. Now, I want to say this, that in, in looking at this, and again, I had a little fun with you tonight, and I wanted to share that with you. I actually was been working on this for about three weeks. And, uh, but... I want, to, I want to say this about the birth of the Lord. We celebrate the birth of the Lord. And, um, you know, something, something beautiful about Jesus is when you come to know him, right? And this was, this was my verse of the year, Psalm 18, 24. I'm, I'm now coming to the last week of journaling. And every day I wrote Psalm 18, 24 as I began to journal. And I usually fill up a couple of pages of journaling. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. That, you know what? We can celebrate Jesus, whether it's his birth, his life, his miracles, his ministry, his passion, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his glorification, his reign from heaven, his second coming. We can celebrate Jesus every day. Right? Every day. And, and you see, every day can carry with it that excitement and wonder of Christmas. So you think about right, right, Christmas right now, and people, it's amazing how everybody just zones out. I was saying to Sue, coming here, drive carefully, because people drive like maniacs during this time. I don't know if they're drunk coming home from Christmas parties, but people are just, they're rushing. And, you know, she, my wife said she, she almost got into an accident today with somebody rushing to a parking lot. But people, the people just zone out. They're, you know, they're zoned out for Christmas. It's something, it, it starts happening right after uh, Thanksgiving. But there's this, there's this, this wonder, you know, uh, uh, of Christmas. They call it the, you know, the Christmas spirit. And, Right, it's 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 about right. I don't know. It's, it's about the the trimmings. It's about the gifts, right? And and we get excited. 
I don't know, do you still get excited about the gifts? And my grandson came to me tonight, today's my birthday, he gives me, he gives me a card, and he's so excited to give it to me. And, um, and I opened it up. He gave me 10 bucks out of his own, out of his own. <laughs> we like getting gifts. Get, get excited. The, the, thing, the thing that you experience, for the most part, Christmas gifts, right after you open them, the thrill kind of leaves, right? You, you end up with an empty box. You know, I find my, my kids would, uh, for Christmas, they get their gifts, and then by 2 o'clock in the afternoon, they're playing with the empty boxes. They're sitting in boxes, pushing each other around. I should have just bought them boxes. But it's, it's kind of the, the picture of the, the emptiness. People get depressed after Christmas. Some of them, you know, they, they manage to get to New Year's. You get drunk on New Year's. And, um, but then, you know, it's, it's, there's a depression that comes. And all that excitement, that high, is, is gone. And uh, the thrill, the, the, you know, anticipation is gone. If you're, if you're a believer... You've been born again. You have the Spirit of God within you. I believe, and I really believe this, I've I've said this for years, that the wonder of Christmas, you know, the wonder of opening that gift is something you could be opening every day and experience that, you know, that joy and, and, and that wonder. And I'll tell you this, when my, and this has been, this has been the case, my first year, that um, I accepted the Lord. I accepted the Lord in January. So again, all the excitement. Christmas became very different to me that next year. Right? Resurrection Day. Everything became very different. And um, I remember the day after Christmas because the day after Christmas, again, there was always the letdown. And I remember getting up in the morning and going to my quiet spot and then opening my Bible. And all of a sudden, you know what? It was like opening a gift that I would be opening every day for the rest of the year and the rest of my life. And uh, there is a, a sense of awe. There is a, I, I'll tell you, you know, and I say this to you, Faith, I always appreciate your smile. I was thinking of you this morning when I was reading the Word. Uh, I know you love God's Word. And again, it's through His Word that we experience Him. It's His living Word. It's, it's living. It's alive right? It's active. And you can experience God through his word. And when you come to his word in prayer, come prayerfully, you come faithfully, you come with expectation, you come humbly, you will experience God through his word. And again, that, that, same, that same thrill of, of Christmas, you can experience every day. And have that wonder. And I'm telling you, I'm just, I'm just speaking to you from, from experience. That that is something you can have. So whether it's December 25th or September 29th or it's July 18th, when you come to God as he has called you to come and you open up his word and you really just get into it, he's going he's gonna to speak to you. He's going to blow your mind. And you're going, to have, you're, you're going to have an experience. There's, there's awe. There, there's wonder that comes to us through his word. Amen.
So don't go and tell everybody that Pastor Frank said it's September 29th and you cannot celebrate Christmas on the 25th. But it was interesting, right? Of really coming to that, coming to that place and, um, and seeing that. So bow your heads and we'll close in prayer. Father, I would pray, Lord God, just what I just shared, that, Lord God, the wonder of knowing you. The wonder, Lord God, of just coming to your word and having you, Lord God, speak to our hearts through it, of coming to know you in a deeper way, who you are, Lord, what you are, what you've done. I pray, Lord God, that that wonder, that awe, Lord God, would be something that everyone, Lord God, here tonight would experience in their lives as they open your word each day. And Lord God, you meet them there and they experience you. In Jesus' name, amen.